We're here with Public Health Director Alice Harvey for another question and answer session. We haven't done one for a while, so it's, it's good to kind of get an update and see what's going on. Um, thank you, Alice, for taking the time on a Friday, a busy week for everybody. Um, let's talk about flu shots. Okay. Yes, um, and we, I'm sure many of you already know this, uh, we had our first drive-through clinic in Meeker last night. It was a overwhelming success. We vaccinated over 105 people. Um, we were really excited to see everybody turn out, a range of age groups as well. Um, so, so we are really hopeful that not only will that protect people from the flu and um, you know, go a long way to our goal of getting more people vaccinated this year, but also it was a good practice run for a COVID vaccine. So it was really encouraging to see that it worked for our community and it seemed to be very smooth and efficient. So um, it's really important, of course, that people get their flu shot this year. So we we want to encourage people to continue calling us to make it. You can come in and make um, an appointment for a flu shot individually. We're doing a variety of community uh, site clinics. So we will be at the schools as well in both Meeker and Rangeley. Uh, we have our drive-through in Rangeley next Tuesday evening at public health. Um, and then we'll, we'll if we have enough vaccine left over, we'll, we might even do a second drive-through clinic um, at the end of October in, in both locations again. So we'll see. Um, we have received a lot of extra doses. We planned ahead last year, obviously pre-COVID, to, to, to try to do more flu vaccinations anyhow. Um, but then with COVID um, here, we are motivated even more so to vaccinate more people. And there's a couple reasons for that. Um, it really boils down to hospital capacity. Um, obviously, most importantly, respiratory health. So, you know, the obvious answer is you, you definitely don't want two potentially deadly respiratory viruses at the same time. Um, so that it's a good idea to get your flu shot for that reason. But um, the other is that we want hospital beds and ventilators available for COVID patients should we end up um, having some that are really sick. So in, in terms of um, like the CDC, they conduct studies every year that helps to sort of measure the benefits of seasonal flu vaccination each season um, to determine how well flu vaccines are working. And what they found and, and what is known um, in the communicable disease uh, scientific community is that flu vaccination um, reduces the risk of flu illness by between 40 and 60% among, amongst the overall population. Um, but also uh, getting the flu shot decreases your chance of getting severe symptoms. Um, so you're not only less likely to get it, but you're also less likely to end up in the hospital. And, you know, most importantly, again, it goes back to community health. Getting your flu shot also means you're, um, you're less likely to give it to someone whom it could be serious for. So pretty simple. Um, there's lots of statistics and data I'm always happy to share with folks. And then in terms of safety, flu shots, very, very safe. Um, I'm always happy to share information with folks that are concerned and encourage people, you know, to ask questions and um, uh, definitely uh, I'm happy to, to answer questions at anyone, any, for anyone who's concerned at all, and then make appointments to get everybody vaccinated. Have they uh, come out with any kind of prognosis, I guess you'd say, for, for how effective the flu shot is going to be this year? I know some years are better than others. Um, it, you know, it's, it really fluctuates, um, and they don't, they won't really know for sure until well into the season. Mm -hmm. Um, so we actually have a lab, um, Grand Junction is one of the labs nationwide that does 
submit samples to the CDC um, for folks that are positive. Um, and so that's how they develop the flu vaccine. It's by isolating the most common strains from the year previously. So try to guess which ones will be prevalent. Um, so we never really know until we're in the thick of it, um, but hopefully um, we'll have a good year. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember Australia, I think, we usually seem to mirror what happens in Australia. And it, it seems like this year was not a really bad year for them, which that would be helpful. It'd be helpful not to have two giant things going on. Mm -hmm. And then let's, um, so with, with flu shots, what's, what is the age range that's recommended? How young, how old? Um, so six months and up. Um, in fact, we're, we highly encourage babies to get vaccinated after six months. Um, it's also really important to get your baby in as soon as possible because uh, when they are first vaccinated um, as an infant, they'll need a booster in 30 days. So you really ideally want to be vaccinated, fully vaccinated by the end of October. So um, if you haven't already, uh, get your baby in for a shot. So then um, also, of course, um, we can give flu shots and we encourage flu shots for um, the entire lifespan and definitely folks who are over 65 and anyone who has an underlying health condition as well. It's also um, even more important um, to get your flu shot. Particularly respiratory like asthma or yep. some, something along those lines. Okay, um, but we're, we're of course still wearing masks. Um, still complying, still trying to prevent the spread of, of germs. What's the latest data on masks that you're hearing? And are they making a difference? Yes, um, yes, they are definitely making a difference. And we do have data from all over the world. Um, so the most recent projections are um, show that uh, you know, it, it really depends on uh, the correlation. And actually I do have a website I can share after, or maybe on the post, I won't share my screen, um, where you can play with the numbers. So if 95% of the population began wearing masks in the U.S., okay, the death toll would drop by nearly 16% of for COVID. So it's all about, the, it's a numbers game for sure. But the, the take home point is that mask use, you know, it reduces the risk of transmission by about at least 30% or more. Um, and of course the data varies based on the type, type of mask, how they're worn and all of those things. But the general answer is yes. And they're one of the only tools we actually even have for COVID, um, you know, in order to stop widespread uh, so infection. So it's um, yes, they are working and yes, we should continue wearing them. Um, and the data is absolutely in support um, and, and shows that it is helping to still very much so curb the spread. But we need more people to be wearing in more places <laughs> for it to, again, decrease those transmission rates. And of course, then the frequency that it's going to put someone in the hospital. Right. Right. Which then comes around to schools and we're, you know, we're about to kick off football season and there's going to be some requirements that are coming from the High School Activities Association regarding wearing masks for spectators and, and people just taking those general precautions and, and following the rules. Um, so what, what kinds of steps can the public continue to take to help keep our schools open? Because we've been really fortunate thus far. And as we resume the extracurricular activities. Those are great questions. And um, the, well, the public in general, can help by adhering to all of the recommendations. So I keep saying, you know, we really, this is a team effort and our kids and teachers are working so hard to comply so that they can protect you also and to stay in school. So it's only fair to do the same in return. Um, you know, keeping your kids home when you're sick, 
is obviously a, a really uh, an obvious one. Um, but to clear up a few questions about that, because I understand there's so much confusion and we've, you know, no, nobody's ever been in this situation before. So it's, it is tricky. So to clear up a few questions regarding students and testing, um, we want to emphasize that because and only because we're wearing masks in schools and distancing in the classroom, we're not having to quarantine these huge groups of students. However, you know, in higher risk situations, such as, you know, contact sports or even social activities that are higher contact out in the community, um, the chances that that exposure will result in a, in a school and then get into the school, hence uh, causing an outbreak there, uh, it, you know, keeping that in mind, that the chances of that happening go up every time that your kid is getting exposed in a high risk situation. So just keeping that in mind, you know, it's okay to send your kids to their friends. My kids go and have play dates. It's, you know, we're, we're back to that point, especially now where we are and protect our neighbor, you know, they can participate in sports. You can live your lives, but just take, take common sense precautions, um, wear a mask still when you can in public, encourage good hand hygiene, all of those things. And that'll go a long way to help uh, keep our kids in school. Mm -hmm. So, oh, oh, I'm so sorry, Nikki. I said testing. I did want to clear up a quick thing about testing kids, if that's yes. okay. Yes. Um, we get a lot of questions about this. So, so we do recommend testing for symptomatic kids to rule out COVID, but as long, as long as there's not been a close contact exposure. So it's, it's all about exposure risk. Mm -hmm. So if there's been a negative test, say your kid has nasal congestion, there's no known exposures we do a COVID test and it's negative, then your kid can go back to school once they're recovered and they haven't had a fever. So just like in a typical year, but that does not apply um, to known cases and exposures. Okay, so, so the test is only useful when um, the test really just tells us if, of course, if it's COVID, if it is, we can stop the spread of it. And also it's a good thing to have in terms of healthcare if your child gets sick. But the primary value in a test, it's not a ticket back to school or work, it's to ensure that an outbreak won't occur. So, um, and then of course, to safeguard your, your children's health. So it's always okay to just stay home and quarantine. If there's a known alternative diagnosis, that's also fine. Um, so I feel like it, it's a lot of pressure on parents when your kids get sick. Um, and the testing helps us keep on track. So that's why it's highly encouraged and we have it available. Um, but all of it's intended to keep people safe, of course, first and foremost, but it's also part of keeping kids in school um, and sports happening. It's one of the only ways we'll be able to do that. So I don't want anyone to feel uh, pressure to get their child tested when they're sick. Um, it's totally okay to keep them home, keep an eye on them, take them with their doctor, you, you know, if they're sick, see if there's a likely alternative diagnosis. Um, but if you do want to test, uh, we recommend it between um, five and seven days after an exposure. But obviously, if you have symptoms and we're not worried about an exposure, then we can test them right away. Um, and turnaround time is about two to three days right now. Um, so it'll give us a good piece of information to either, you know, make sure that we do contact tracing and stop it if it is COVID. And also to know that um, if it's not COVID and the test is negative, although the negativity rates can be false, or I mean, the ne negative results can be false negatives. Um, it's still very encouraging that it's not COVID. And therefore, as long as there's no fever, we can, we can get them back in school. So okay. I just wanted to clear that up a little bit for everyone. Okay. Yeah. Cause there, there have been some, some questions about that. Um, so our restaurants, our groceries, our convenience stores, we're pretty much open now under protect our neighbor and it, pretty much everything's opened up following the, the guidelines from the state. There are businesses that are required by law to comply with the state mandate, uh, mass mandate, regardless of, of local opinion. 
what's helpful for people and and what's not. There's also businesses that just are are being cautious for their own their own personal health and their own sake. So how can we um, better encourage people to to comply with with those requirements or those requests, even from our our local business partners and and friends and family? That that's such a great question and. I think there's 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 definitely a, a good answer for that. So of course we're, we are shooting for more local control on this issue, and that's been something that all along has been a goal for the state to be able to allow more local control over these these guidelines. However, the legalities surrounding the mask man, mandate are really irrelevant in in terms of my public health recommendations, and so I like to separate the two. Um, so if a business is requiring masks. You're exactly right. They're doing it to not only protect themselves, but their patrons. They're doing it to protect you. So it's like if you went into someone's house, I can't remember who gave me this analogy, but I love it. If you went into someone's house and they asked you to take off your shoes because they didn't want mud on their carpet, you know, who cares if it's because they paid a lot for the carpet or who cares if it's because they're germaphobes and don't want dirty shoes on their floor? It doesn't matter, right? Um, maybe they have a baby that, you know, comes over, they babysit and crawls on the floor. You, you wouldn't even think twice about taking your shoes off. You wouldn't even challenge them or ask them why. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to be supporting all of our businesses during this time for, for lots of reasons. But of course, it's your choice. But it's also important to understand that your actions may have consequences that result in worst case scenario, loss of life. Um but also, you know, loss of a livelihood for a business. So this is why businesses are choosing to comply when they do choose to comply. It's it's for everyone's benefit. So and our board of commissioners supports people's ability to, you know, make that personal choice, but they also support our businesses' uh, right to make these decisions also, you know, in an effort to protect their patient, uh, patrons and livelihoods. So so I love that question because I think if you just step back and, and think about it from a common sense perspective, it's, it's an easier question to answer. Yeah, that's a, that's a perfect analogy for that. Just, just out of common courtesy, basically respecting somebody else's wishes. Right. Um, we've been really fortunate to have very limited transmission, no hospitalizations, no known deaths. There's a, yeah, I think there's probably a concern that we might get a little lax or start to slack off and think, oh yeah, this isn't, you know, this, this isn't coming here. This isn't really, you know, we're not seeing it. It's not in our face. Um, we still need, we still need to be taking those precautions and, and being aware that this is still out there. Definitely. And, you know, it's not over yet. Um, and remember, I, I remember back when I, we had the discussion about, or I gave a presentation, I think about case fatality rates and what that meant. It was so hard at the beginning because we just didn't know how dangerous obviously COVID was. We didn't know a lot about it, but our knowledge is only good as our data. So Mm -hmm. obviously if you have a higher denominator, you know, your percentage gets smaller, um, you know, denominator being the number of tests you're performing. So this is why epidemiologists measure the deadliness of a disease in many different ways. There's case fatality rates, mortality rates, infection fatality rates. So which ones matter and what is so special about COVID. And, and what the answer to that is, is essentially the most current case fatality rate is still at 3% in the U.S. And the infection fatality rate, you know, may be equivalent to the seasonal flu. But remember, um, we already have anywhere from 300 to 700,000 people worldwide dying from the flu each year. <laughs> so overall, uh, though, is um, with COVID, COVID is much more infectious than the flu. It spreads faster, so more people are going to get it. So we're already at a million 
from COVID deaths worldwide. So if people can, you know, the numbers, are they important? Sure. But don't get hung up on the percentages and the fatality rates, because the reality is more people are dying, you know, overall, a higher transmission rate leads to more infections and then more cases and eventually more deaths. So, so it's there all of a sudden now the case fatality rate percentage um, ceases to become this political tool to try to convince people it's not as bad as the flu, you know, just as just like the regular flu. It's just not as important when you look at it in that way from that, that scientific perspective. So despite, you know, the implied understood challenges and trying to quantify the fatality rate of any disease. You know, we know that 200,000 Americans are dead. Uh, there'll be more. And we know that the virus can cause long-term health effects. And that, unfortunately, we don't have all the data on that yet. Mm -hmm. um, and we truly, you know, even though those cases don't get counted as hospitalizations and they don't get counted as deaths, I challenge people to think, you know, if it was you or a loved one, uh, you know, I have a friend who contracted the virus uh, back in March. Um, and she is still wearing oxygen. You know, I rode bikes with her. I raced mountain bikes with her. She's healthy, healthy person, um, no underlying conditions, but she's got potentially, uh, you know, scar tissue on her lungs and heart problems. I mean, it's, it's really scary. So just thinking about it that way, um, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to be terrified, but we mm -hmm. also need to be reasonable and, and realize that the risk is absolutely still there. So we need mm -hmm. to take the precautions. Yeah, need to still be aware because it's not going away, mm -hmm. obviously. And a vaccine, uh, what's the latest that you've heard on, on a vaccine from the scientific community? Oh, actually, it, that's good news. Um, so currently it looks like there's three presentations out there. Um, a couple of them will involve like a two-dose series. Um, and then there's at least one, I think, that's just a one-shot and done. Um, so it'll be similar to the flu vaccine and that they'll likely have to continue to update. You know, you'll, you'll need to continue getting vaccinated to as the virus mutates. Um, but hopefully eventually, of course, that will, it will be something we just get vaccinated with, uh, you know, for alongside the flu and we'll have that overall then achieved community, um, uh, gosh, res not resistance. Now I'm just blanking out. Um, herd immunity eventually with a vaccine. But as far as where we are on it, it looks like we may start seeing some doses shipped out to states for high-risk populations by the end of the year. Um, definitely, probably um, for the general public, we're gonna be looking at the spring. Uh, so there's definitely not, even though you hear we may have some by the end of the year, that would be for very specific and limited populations. Um, so, so we'll see how that goes. I don't know for sure that that will happen by the end of the year. Hopefully it does. But then mm -hmm. next spring is when we're, we'll be planning, hopefully to do, you know, mass vaccinations with a drive-through at the fairgrounds. So there you go. Uh, we'll, we'll hope that happens sooner rather than later. Yeah, definitely. That'll make things much better. Okay. I, I think that's pretty much all the questions that you and I had talked about. If there's any, anything else that's come up. I don't think so. That was really good. Those are great questions. And thanks for having me on. I appreciate it always. Yeah, thank you. And our, our case count update this week is the same. No new cases in the county. So that's yep. that's more good news for us. Yep. And apparently we're doing something right. So yes. Yeah. And that's thanks to everybody and our kids and teachers and just everyone in the community, everyone who's, who's doing their part. So thank you. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And Bye. I'll see you for my flu shot. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> Come on by. See All right. ya. Bye.